You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show, and come with me, and you'll see... In a world of pure dinosaurification. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're uh, the Saturday Morning D&D Show. We have special guest David with us today. Hello, David. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. I love your guys' show. Uh, fantastic. David, actually, uh, well, how did this happen, by the way? Like, all of a sudden, I, Lucian's like, Twitter. get this guy on I the show. I on Twitter. <laughs> I was on Twitter. I was, I was out. Uh, I was listening to you guys' podcast uh, because I'm a big uh, talking about D&D podcast listener. I was like, man, I love this show. It's just one of my favorites. I actually just tweet them and let them know if they ever stumble across this little project I'm doing. If they want to know anything about it, I'll just tell them. And so I tweeted, I tweeted at you guys. And then, like, as I'm listening to the podcast, you're like, there's also this like prehistoric vibe. Yeah, thing. <laughs> we just start talking about like, it. Okay, this is meant to be. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Very then cool. Then I slid into your DMs, and here we are. Yeah, and yeah. here we are. This is awesome. So, uh, yeah, not a, not a. Uh, some people in the chat were asking, like, well, what kind of a show is this? I was like, well. We have our regular shows, and then when we have a yeah. guest show, we usually talk <laughs> with our guest. So, <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> so we're not going to cover a lot of news today. Not that there was a yeah. ton to talk about, but uh, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, a, a Plangia, which is the prehistoric five <laughs> E setting for Dungeons and Dragons that you are currently kickstarting with uh, Atlas Games, which is really cool. Successfully kickstarting. Um, yes, it is very yeah. successful. <laughs> uh, but I always like to start these conversations with. Uh, Obviously, you're a fan of role-playing games and Dungeons and Dragons, but how did you get into D and D? Was this yeah. a, a child thing or origin story? <laughs> origin uh, story. Origin go. story. Here we go. My origin story is I <laughs> failed my investigation check to find out about D and D when I was a yes. kid. Uh, I didn't. Oh, well, I knew that it existed, but I was raised really conservative and probably thought that like demons were going to eat my soul if I played it. So I didn't. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I always did things that were like D and D, like. I was obsessed with choose your own adventure books. We would, we had this little like pen and paper game where basically we were playing D&D, but we didn't know it was that or call it that. Where you're like, oh, I'll just draw a maze. And then you try and figure out how to get through it. So we had all these like D&D adjacent things and then grew up, uh, got married, got a job and was hanging out with kind of a nerdy crowd of coworkers. And one day I look around, I'm like, hey, we're all nerds, right? And they're like, yeah. Like, (laughs) have any of you guys played D&D? And they're like, no. I was like, well, we should, get our nerd card and like that's the only way you get down. your nerd card yeah right? exactly awesome <laughs> yeah this is at the very tail end of 4e so i we played yeah. maybe like one or two 4e sessions and i remember coming up to um my uh hang, like coming up to my wife uh afterwards and she was like so what like was it like what what because we had no framework for what the game was and i was like i think it's like a board game but you can do anything kind of? <laughs> uh and i'm still trying to explain uh what it is but i'm, I'm loving it and been deep in it ever since that's awesome so where did uh, uh that that's interesting that this is not something that you're like i've been uh obsessed with D for so long not that that is a bad thing that is very much my story too and i am having a D podcast and a youtube channel but <laughs> yeah uh where where did Plangia come from? Like or yeah. Plangia, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all good. You can pronounce it however you want. Um the uh so uh I have run a bunch of homebrew settings or kind of like really like homebrew in general. Um and uh you know, making that world creation was always my favorite part of the thing. Um but it didn't really turn into well, the the start of it was I was getting ready to live full-time in an RV with my family for a year. So it was my wife and my three small kids. And we decided to move out of the Washington, D.C. area and journey around the U.S. for a year trying to find a new hometown to raise our kids in. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, this is a (laughs) great time. And a lot of the, like, landscape stuff in Plangia is inspired by that. But I was... um, uh, So you have to get the RV ready. And it's about a month's worth of work to do to get the rig ready. And while I was doing it, it's a lot of manual labor and waiting for, like things to fill and things to drain and all that. So I was listening to podcasts while I did it. I listened to, this was right when Keith Baker launched the Manifest Zone podcast. And his first few episodes are talking about Eberron and the origins of of the setting, which is where I first heard about Wizards of the Coast fantasy setting search. Yeah. um, Yeah. Where they were basically like, 
write a setting, send it into us. We'll make it official. I was like, man, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, one of those double, double swords where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to write this for you. And then they get it kind of a thing. It's a weird contest, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, <laughs> I loved the idea of it. Like start right. with a, a sentence, I think. Yeah. And then, and then they keep going from there, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Was, no, you're exactly right. That's what caught me about it too. Cause they were like, you have to write a page description and you have to answer these questions. Like who are the heroes? Who are the villains? What makes it different? And then you do a page and then you do 10 pages and then you do a hundred pages mm -hmm. and then we publish it if you're the winner. So I was like, this is great. I wish I could have done this. Let me just do it myself. Now let me enter this contest just for myself. And so I wrote down a bunch of ideas and my benchmark was always Eberron. Like it needed to be as big of a tent for stories as Eberron yeah. and like have as much potential so it couldn't be anything too narrow, but still had to be like, I was like, all right, everyone's just like pulp and you kind of just know what that is and are ready to go. I was thinking about different options. And then it was like, has there been a stone age setting? And I know about some now, but uh, back then it was just like, I think this might be new ground. And so I started playing with it. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> and then a lot more things happened and now we're on Kickstarter. <laughs> That's awesome. And and yeah, so for those joining it, uh, Plangia is a prehistoric D&D setting. There's there's magic and what have you, but it is very like, uh, well, I don't know. Give us the pitch yeah. for it then. That'd be great. Yeah. The pitch for it is that it is it embraces everything that is in D&D. Um, so all the classes, all the races, all the background, like every all the monsters, a lot of people approach prehistory by taking stuff out, right? You can't have this, you can't have this, you can't talk, you can only use sticks. And we kind of <laughs> went the other way. We're like, what if this is stone punk? What is? What if it's just as like um, primal and raw as we can get with versions of all of these tropes, right? So like, what if Dragonborn just stopped being dragons and just started being Dragonborn now? You know, what if, you know, instead of tieflings that are like marked sometime in the past or at least like distance descendants, like a fiend touched you and now you are like a tiefling, right? What if, um, what if you just kind of have to carve survival from the world and you're not at the top of the food chain? So different so origin stories in a way, but still that class is still there or that yeah, race and things like the that. The class okay. is there, the race is there. And like, for example, I think elves or elves and dwarves are probably the best example of this. The goal was always like, how can we keep what's coolest and truest about the thing? We don't want to like reverse it, right? We don't want to make all the elves these hulking brutes. We want elves to feel like elves, but like yeah. primal. So looking at the Feywild connection, there's like, we made a, a Feywild equivalent called um, the dream world of Nod and elves are from there. And actually this on my screen here is an elf. Elves are like translucent kind of, and dream oh. like they're like half dream. And dwarves, this is a dwarf right here, they're half stone. Like the dwarves just crawled up out of the earth. So it's all this stuff where it's like, yeah, a dwarf, that makes sense. And they like have like stone, like breaking off their bodies. Um, so everything like is like that. It's all just like, what if you take this and rewind the clock and look at what's like coolest and rawest about mm -hmm. the thing and it just played them. That's and really you're playing cool. it and you're playing it when it started, which I think yeah. is the key. It's like you're there when these start to crawl out of the ground or these start to come over from another plane or, yeah. or the demons actually touch something or exactly. you know, magic is, this is where magic's created or this is how, so you're almost like totally. a starting. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing before it, There's only forward. That's an, yeah. nobody's really done that. I can think of where you're starting at the origin of everything. Well, it's so funny listening to all the fizz bands talk. I don't have my copy yet, but they have this yeah. whole thing about the first world when there were dragons and giants. Lots and it's like, welcome to Plainvia. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's dragons and giants fighting <laughs> yeah. right now. And you are, you're a human with some fur on and you're just pulling yourself out of wherever. Yeah, exactly. That's actually yeah. really cool. I like Boy, that. I love, so, I love the idea of, I mean, one of my favorite pillars of the game is exploration. Cause like yeah. not knowing what's on the other side of that mountain is awesome. Um, yes. but boy, for a setting like this, it would be really cool because, uh, it is like, you see this weird, like kind of rocky creature literally burrowing up out of the ground. He looks a little yeah. scared cause he doesn't know who you are. And then you have right. to be like, oh yeah, that's my character. Hi, my name's Jim. I'm a dwarf. Like, exactly. <laughs> I'm made yeah, of rocks. Yeah. My name's Korg. Like, I'm I'm know, funny. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And like, so um, yeah, that's kind of cool. And like, uh, I, I, 
I love traditional fantasy, but I think a setting like this and a lot of a lot of just new settings in general. Um, and I'm a big, obviously, a big advocate of campaign settings in general. Like, I think it's really yeah. fun to have a new twist on a lot of things. Uh, is the typical player who grew up playing in the realms or something like that now does not have a framework for how things should right. work. And that can be a lot of, that can be kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this because it's different. But if they give it a shot, it can be really cool because you're like, oh, wow, it can be different, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. And it's important to not, well, I shouldn't say it's important. For me, for this, it's important to not have everything just be like completely weird. Although weird fantasy is great. And like, it can be fun to be like, I have no idea what's going to happen moment to moment. But I feel like for, um, you know, you want that sense of like, the world is knowable, you just don't know it yet. And you got to kind of go out there and find it. And so using a lot of tropes, but making them fresh, like, the quest for fire is a really big one. We, I, I thought a lot about um, fire exists in the setting. Like everyone has fire. It's not hard to get fire. There's tons of fire spells, but like that, that, that story that we keep telling of like lightning struck that tree and we got it and we harness it. Like that's a story about magic really. Yeah. And like that's a very wizardly story. So there's like the setting's all about like grabbing those feelings and making adventures out of them. Yeah. Yeah. You're at the beginning of, there might not even be civilizations or there might not have been ones that you were there or you might not know about them yet. Maybe maybe the world is just as new as raw, you yeah. know, as you want it to be as a dungeon master. You know, do you want to set it there where it's there was nothing before or was mm -hmm. there stuff before, but nobody knew about it? You know, kind of mm -hmm. like the ninth world for Monty Cook kind of sets yeah. their world in there. There's stuff there, but people barely knew about it and they're just now digging it up and they're just now realizing that there were other things before them but you yeah. don't have to do it. you could you could say hey i'm right there when the planet formed and cool. you know we're just a few years after that and all this stuff is happening yeah you know, it's kind of crazy and so you the could really setting, take it a lot of directions that's totally true the setting has a really fun relationship with time where yeah. um basically you can't know how old things are you there's no way of knowing how long the world has been here there's no like long-term time reckoning no written records mm -hmm. so it takes inspiration from stuff like uh, Tartakovsky's Primal or 10,000 BC or where there's like there are these kind of like giant, literally giant empires of giants on the mm -hmm. corners of the map that have been there for longer and they have like magic and technology you can't fathom but maybe really don't go there um, so and they're mm -hmm. like these buried vaults of aberrations that are kind of slithering and how long has that been there and so there are questions baked into the setting of like is this new or super old and if it's super old like why is this here and the setting really plays with not answering all of those questions and letting that right. be the story that you're telling cool when i read the title i thought i was thinking like the the supercontinent so i was thinking yeah is the map of plangea like one big supercontinent and then yeah. oh just is like there a, a map no an island there is a map just, okay I, I don't because I think it was one of those interests. It could go either way is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you can be like, we have no idea. There's no cartographers. We don't understand yeah. how mountains yeah. work or right. like you have a world map or something. But uh, I think I think what I would do as a DM is not show my players the map. And oh, I would yeah. probably oh, yeah. if I'm playing with uh, people who have played before, like I would turn it or change it for myself. Um, but the idea is that it's literally it's the Pangea or Pangea. Pangea, whatever of the yeah. planes so the planes of reality haven't separated yet and you can literally walk from the plane of fire through the material <laughs> plane to the Feywild. you're like by foot you can travel across all realities and i like to call the setting pre-apocalyptic because again like one of the basic assumptions is this all ends at some point why do the planes break apart mm -hmm. is it something you did is that yeah. your level 20 <laughs> like we'll find out Oh, that's fun. That's a fun yeah, idea. And <laughs> this would be great for the group that has those ambitions that they want to build the civilization. They want yeah. to be a part and be there at the beginning of that starting to happen. That was in the old Dungeons and Dragons. One of the reasons you played a lot was because you knew at some point you could get to be a lord and you got a fort yes. and you got troops to fight with you. You know, you're like, so this mm -hmm. kind of brings you back to that idea of we're at the beginning and, and what can we build or what can we yeah. create and carve yeah, out. Yeah, the game things. has, 
it has um, clans baked into it as one of the basic assumptions. Like you're living or interacting with instead of like towns and cities, you have these migratory clans. And there's guidance in there for, okay, you want to start a clan. Like here's how you do that. Here's how you think about it. And that domain game that you're talking about is a really like viable style of play. We actually, I wrote and then pulled out because it was like taking up too much, like a mini <laughs> game for like, all right, you just want to have a clan building yeah. adventure. This is how you do that. Um, I think it's right there. It's, it'll be so fun to play with. It's very cool. So if you're tying into 5e using the OpenGL, um, mm -hmm. was there any point during you pitching this or this getting created by Atlas Games, is the name of the company, that it might be its own setting, not tied to 5e? Was it always going to be tied to 5e? Is it yeah. a possibility it gets tied to Pathfinder or Cypher yeah. or any of those yeah. others? So I'm a 5e DM. I'm really mm -hmm. a, a 5e, 5e kid in my heart. And mm -hmm. I wrote it for 5e because that's what I know best and understand best. And also, like I really like the assumptions of 5e, the flexibility, the modularity, the, the mm -hmm. feeling of like it's really simple to get in and start playing. So this is really a 5e native system, but um, I was kind of stuck on it for a while. It wasn't really working for me, like as a setting, until I started listening this, this whole thing. It was its existence of podcasts um, to the Appendix N Book Club podcast. Very good, uh, very good podcast. Yeah, so good, right? <laughs> oh yeah, Jordan, you'll love this. So this has like <laughs> this has OSR like DNA baked into it. Like the yeah. setting didn't make sense until make, I started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, until I started to like get my head around sword and sorcery as a genre. And this is a very sword and sorcery setting. It's it's got all of that where like magic is threatening, civilization is bad, like you have like low personal stakes, you're just trying to like all of that stuff is kind of in there. So I would love to see, and I've talked actually, there's no plans for it, but I've talked to people about an OSR translation, or I think it would be great for Pathfinder. Um, Finn Prindle, who's on our story team, who did a ton of the mechanical balance, is a huge PF2E fan. So mm -hmm. he would love to like put it over into that world. So the book is like 350 pages, and it's mostly story Dinosaurs. Books. Oh. It better it's be like 300 pages of dinosaurs and then like <laughs> I want my money back. I got 280 of... <laughs> dinosaurs. Yeah. I was promised 300. It has, it has some crude drawings of like adventures and then the rest of all Yeah, that. it's all cave paintings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's a ton of story, uh, not, not like lore that you have to read and memorize, but like, what if this? How about this? Yeah. Try this. So it would be very easy to put into another system. Uh, Just for a dungeon to master to read and say, oh, like, I want to go explore volcanoes. Here's yeah. like, oh, this is great. And then it's yeah, a tool. Exactly. Here's yeah. the volcanoes. Here's the gods that rule there. Here's yeah. why they're a problem. Here are the people who hate them. Like all of that stuff is right there. This would be a really fun uh, old school essentials setting. I yeah, think. right? <laughs> I have actually written, I have a draft for a funnel adventure called Death of the Lizard God, Ooh. where a bunch of people are fed up with their terrible god. And these are like, level zero nothings and they storm where the god lives <laughs> and go try and kill him yes sounds like Whoever survived the <laughs> sounds yeah. like a um well i know yeah you you should definitely uh hold on to that and if you need me to run you a dungeon crawl classics game at some point yes. um <laughs> uh because goodman games is also very open with their 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 stuff so if you have yeah. a fun if you have a fun thing they're like okay yeah you can you can uh <laughs> borrow our rules and make a setting so it'd yeah, be really cool so fun i love it it'd be amazing um speaking well, of gods i wanted to talk about gods because i read yeah. something really interesting is uh uh, gods are tied to a location, which I thought was kind of cool. So I want to talk about yes. that or have you yeah. explain that at least. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is explain honestly yourself. like people, <laughs> explain yourself. People talk <laughs> about the dinosaurs in this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 they're cool. But can we please talk about the gods? Because <laughs> um, this setting is before there are um, great universal gods of abstract concepts. So you don't have the God of fire or night or the sun what you have is proto-gods. You have the first beings who are amassing enough divine magic to begin to sort of like rise up into godhood. So a god isn't the god of war, or the god of love. It's that bear over there on the hill who's lived there for so long and survived so much that we've started to worship him. And now he can do magic and that's terrifying. We the bear started talking and all of a sudden- The bear started yeah. talking, exactly, right. Um, it was originally inspired by like stuff like Clan of the Cave Bear and a story by H.G. Wells called Story of the Stone Age. But it's this feeling of like, 
the line between animal and God and like mortal and immortal is a lot fuzzier than we kind of think of it as. Um, and so the idea is that any creature or object or place or phenomenon, basically anything except a humanoid can um, accrue godhood and why not humanoids? Also a good question. Also something to explore in your setting, in your adventure. Um, <laughs> But so this thing becomes a god, and then once it achieves godhood, whatever that looks like, it locks into that place, and it basically occupies a lair called a hallow. And the gods cannot leave the lair because that's where the magic, the divine magic, comes through the land and through the water. And so they need mortals to worship them and also to carry out their divine will. So gods take on the role of nobles or kingdoms in other settings. They're sort of, they're geographical, they're fixed, they have agendas, and they need you to go out and kill the god in the next hollow, drag back his bones so that god can eat those bones and become more powerful and take on twice as much land. And this comes really interesting for clerics, which are called shamans in the setting, because as you're moving through the land, and this is all sort of like a conversation with your DM, but do you switch domains when you go to a new gods area or are you like bringing the power with you somehow? What does it look like to have this like patchwork network quilt of gods surrounding the land that you as a mortal have a pretty good shot at like meaningfully helping or harming? Yeah, that's really cool. Like I, uh, I instantly, I was just thinking that if you're in the hollow of your God as a shaman or a cleric, yeah. you probably have like your powers turned to an 11 Mm -hmm. but getting somebody to getting an enemy to follow you in there is going to be really right. hard. So then yeah. you're like, yeah, it's almost like a pilgrimage back. You're like, okay, I need some magic. And you like hold it somehow. And then you go yeah. back out. Oh, I'm out of magic. We got to go back. Exactly. Got to recharge. And that, that is a long rest in D and D five E, mm -hmm. but it could be like a very much like a, um, I don't know, like a new, a new, uh, uh, like ammo, like you have to track, yeah. you know, inventory of magic. So totally. Oh man, I would love that. That'd be so cool. <laughs> kind of reminds me too. There was a setting of books that talked about, um, written by anthropologists that were looking at ancient indigenous tribes throughout the Americas. So they had, they had, a, they wrote a book about the Great Lakes. Yeah. Group of tribes at a certain time that was like, and we're talking way before, you know, any of the colonization or anything. It was yeah. like nearly just out of prehistoric but not much mm -hmm. and they all they often talked about you know the spirits of animals and the the spirits or gaining power and becoming powerful enough that they were worshipped yeah or could be worshipped or or and that kind of could you could really dive into a setting like that those books are really great to set some of that stuff up too. how each tribe had their own animal they associated with and sure they were battling yeah. over we want more land or we want this resource and it would make yeah. our tribe stronger if we had that. So that's why we're going to do that. And you have an actual powerful spirit growing into a God proto God. I like the word you yeah. use there. That's kind of saying, yeah, I need that resource or I need that thing. Exactly. Or imagine you're like going around with the icons. You have the bones mm -hmm. of these certain creatures that that's how your power derives. So everything you have is, you know, made of wolf bones or whatever, because you yeah. guys, worship the wolf gods and you know the pack and all that stuff so very it's a that's very interesting so you didn't yeah. have to create a pantheon necessarily but no. you can have a framework of here's how these things start to become a pantheon eventually yeah. there will be thousands of years hundreds right. of years whatever you'll have your god of justice your god of whatever whatever yeah. ends up turning it into but right right and now they're just primal just became a god maybe bahamut or tiamat mm -hmm. like i don't yeah. know maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe yes yeah yeah maybe wow. tiamat loses that match and then it loses yeah. it to bob the dragon and it becomes <laughs> right. bob the dragon <laughs> yes oh my gosh yeah and then there's a really cool thing too where like clans have to stay moving in order to survive their gods stay put and in the map, there's like easier to find a good God in the North, easier to find an evil God in the South and evil gods are fiends and good gods are celestial. And there's a whole thing. And so if you've got a tribe that's like aligned with a good God, but Hey, winter's coming, we got to go South. Uh, now you're in the territory of like a fiend who's like, yeah, worship me and do what I say. And you yeah. got to negotiate that. It's, it's a lot of fun. Those books talked a lot about the interaction between tribes that stayed put and tribes that roamed. Yeah. And how they interacted and, and how, you know, good interactions, bad interactions, different wars that would happen yeah. when they would come together for festivals or stuff. And they really kind of it was a really cool idea. And this now just starts making me think I want to run 
that kind of style game. But yeah. I want to like bring a Forgotten Realms character who knows everything about Forgotten Realms. Yep. But they're teleported here. <laughs> you yes. know, you're like, where yep. are we? What just happened? Why did our portal go wrong? I thought we were going to Silvery Moon or something. And they're like, totally. now we're here. <laughs> yeah, there's a part in the book that's like, so how do you run this as a one shot? And it's like, well, they go through a portal. They're on a vision yeah. quest. Like, you know, maybe it's a one time thing where they get hurled back in time and they got to escape. Or maybe it's mm -hmm. a permanent thing and they can now just link to the past whenever they want to. And how does that affect the game? Like, there's a lot of fun ways to play with that, yeah. for sure. And, and on the page, I just love the artwork of Ko Many Arms, the moody yes. god of the clever ape clan. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just, that just explains everything you were just talking about. Yeah. Awesome. So there's three <laughs> big clans, the bear clan, ape clan, and lion clan. And all of those mm -hmm. are really built out to be sort of your, like, starting zone kingdoms, mm -hmm. kind of. And, like, lots of culture stuff, lots of quest hooks. And then from there, it's like, yeah, and any other god you want. We have like a little god workshop where here's how you make your own god. And um, mm -hmm. just trying to make it easy to have adventures. Yeah. So how do, how do adventures happen? Um, is the idea that you're, you're all part of the same tribe? Uh, is there the equivalent of a king has gathered a task force to yeah. go send you out into the woods or something? Like yeah. what, what kind of adventures are you, are you hoping people run with this? It's a great question. So uh, my answer is like, how does an adventure start in the Forgotten Realms? Like any in way you want. Yeah. But I know this tavern, one, in right? a tavern. In a tavern. <laughs> so the tavern, actually there's a table <laughs> in the book. No, you're right. There's uh, the, the Kickstarter has like a first look uh, thing which you can download. One of the things on there that will also be in the book is a um, like medieval to fantasy trope conversion table where it's like this thing, what does that look like in fantasy? So it'll help you tell those stories. And the tavern is like the clan fire. It's this big bonfire in the center of um, uh, of a settlement, right? Of an encampment. So start at the clan fire. Um, but there's three themes in the setting, which are kinetic action. Think Mad Max with mammoths. Mm -hmm. Primordial horror. You have no name for that thing that just moved past you in the dark. And mystic wonder, which is, I have this, I have no words for the God that I'm seeing in front of me right now. And so I think the best adventures are going to be in the same way that you think of Eberron as being like a pulp or a war or kind of a not steampunk, but like, you know, that thing that isn't magic punk or whatever is. it magic is. Punk. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for, um, for Plangia, it feels like there's like the hunt, right? It's a classic adventure structure. Go out and get that thing. There's sort of the, um, you know, the investigating a mystery, kind of a, the dungeon yeah. crawl, right? Or Fetch the quest. Crawl in this case. Yeah, exactly. Kill nine boars. No, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the, you know, appease the gods quest. I think those are all like really just sitting there for you. But um, I've also got like, I mean, I haven't even counted. There's a ton of good or neutral factions, which all have agendas and a ton of threats or villains. All, and for the threats and villains, what I did was I wrote for each tier of play four adventure hooks. So like the book has just like, here you go, you're level what, five? Here's four ideas for you for every kind of monster for the kind of adventures you might want to run. Yeah, how do the, how do the races come together mm -hmm. in a world that's starting out? Because I, if I'm part of the ape tribe and we, we love worshiping the moody god of the clever ape clan, yeah. Is it a clan of dwarves and humans and elves and stuff? Or is it a mm -hmm. clan of just one of those yeah. just tieflings? Or is it a clan of just... Yeah. The basic assumption in the setting is that what matters most is can you help me survive? Mm -hmm. And that actually most clans are mingled because survival strategies complement each other. So if you've got an elf and a dwarf and a human, they're going to have better odds at surviving than just humans. So most clans are assumed to be mixed. And then if you have a clan that's sort of pulled apart and is doing its own thing, it's a little bit like, what's going on there? So you can still have your individual clans, but it's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, yeah, Although each of those clans, yeah, yeah. And each of those big clans have like, these guys kind of have a lot of Goliaths in them. And the ape clan has a lot of mm -hmm. elves or half elves. And so they all have kind of like different mixtures and flavors. So they're almost cities in a way. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are actually six uh, prehistoric cities in the setting, like three big ones and three small ones. And they're all like, have a reason for why they exist. Like they have a source of magical power or a stable food supply or something. And very different, like one's kind of like 
fantasy prehistoric New Orleans. And it's just like this music party, sort of chaotic city where you're gonna get swindled on the streets. You're on the edge of a cliff and there's like the volcano at the center of the world is right over <laughs> there and you can die tomorrow. So why not drink some wine today? And, and then there's the one that's like the holy city where like 12 gods are like inside of the city, all of their powers overlapping and competing against each other. So. It's all there. We just we just want to make it easy to have any kind of uh, adventure. You have so. lots of starting places if you need yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Like um, is there, I mean, you're going to say yes because it's D&D and you can do anything, but like, is there, uh, thinking about the gods, like, could you become a god as you're like playing around? Like, I like yeah. that idea of like, I don't know, like that, that might, not be your goal, but by the end yeah. of your level 20 campaign, people are worshiping you because you're so powerful. Right. And all of a sudden it's, it is like, Oh, I'm going to level up even higher. And now I'm, now yeah. I'm God one. And now, <laughs> yeah, I played with that. So there was an idea originally that like maybe level 20 is when you become a God in the lore. There is a thing that says like no humanoids, no playable races basically become gods. And there's a mystery of the setting. Like why, what is it about okay. us that makes us not divine? But I think if you answer that mystery through your campaign um, and then become a god, like, that's amazing. Yeah, that could always, you could always break the rules because yeah. that's what it's for. That's cool. Yeah. And there's so a it, setting, yeah. like, the start of the DM chapter is break the world. Like, break one it. of the basic assumptions is this game will work best if you have, like, meteor strike and obliterate half of the map from day one. Don't be precious about, like, this This is a place that's meant to be um, broken. Nice. So any good campaign book's always going to have something that players may want because you always want to sell books to not just dungeon yep. masters, but also players because that just yeah. makes total economical sense. Yep. There must be something in here for players that they are going to really latch on to. I'm seeing some stuff here that has me interested. We got to hear about the subclasses. I'm hearing four new subclasses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got <laughs> What's happening subclasses. here? Yeah. Oh, man. Boy, let me tell you. Yeah, there's new races. All new backgrounds, new spells, new classes, not classes, new subclasses. So let's talk about those. Um, There's four. Um, Mm -hmm. There's the Dark Forest Warlock. So one of the main setting villains is basically like, imagine if Fangorn Forest, but primeval and hates all animal life and just wants to eradicate it. So there is this like tree spirit that is inherently hostile to you and everyone like you. And you can become his warlock. I don't recommend it. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, if you really want to like kill people with trees, that's a great way to go. I um, there, right? There is the <laughs> dream sorcerer. So there's this big thing about Nod, which is the twin worlds of dreams and nightmares. And so the dream sorcerer is this really cool uh, new subclass that has a big table of dreams. And at the end of a long rest, you like roll on it. And that's a series of buffs that you can offer to your party throughout the course of the day. So it's like this very helpful like everyone wants to have a dream sorcerer in their in their party you're like you're you're just giving gifts to people all the time and sort of playing with what reality is um and then there's the far striker by barbarian who's throwing stuff including themselves at enemies and then the way of abnegation monk who is just denying damage and he's sort of your tank monk um so everything from very kind of lore heavy really like hooky into the world stuff the stuff where it's just like, I just want to be a, a monk, but no one can hit me. Or if they do, it just doesn't even matter. I'm trying to okay. make sure that we're hitting everyone's play preferences. I do like the word yeah. you use in there too, kinships, as as the word I just used races earlier. Because yeah. I do think a lot of the games are kind of trying to move away from those totally. old terms we used in the 80s and, and move on. So kinships is a cool word. I like that. Yeah. Even here, I'm seeing some stuff that has me like, okay, how do I play a ever hungry half ooze? Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's my class. Let's like, do it. You know, how am I <laughs> not playing this now? <laughs> right? You have to eat twice as much as everyone else. Yeah. Stretch. Uh, half oozes are fun. They really lean into the primordial horror. The idea is basically like you you died. You were in it. You were in a cave. You were asleep or something. Something crawled along, killed you, and has now like infested you. And it's very much like the Egger suit in uh, in Men oh, in Black, yeah. where it's like you're kind of half a person, half an ooze, and you are moving through the world with no real memory of who you were before. But you might be recognized by someone, and you kind of have these memories from before that you don't quite recognize. Like 
For example, you can understand but not speak a language that you used to know. Stuff like that, where it's like using simple mechanics to make this really like, wait, it's like who having am a I symbiote. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Like, oh, I like it. <laughs> so it's a hybrid of both. Then, like you are, yeah. you are the humanoid and the ooze together. Yeah, you're not exactly like, a, driving a car or something. Okay. No. Yeah. Exactly. Very Fun. interesting. It's like all those horror movies where some type of ooze like substance crawls into the body yeah. of somebody else. it's like well and there's a movie out right now called uh venom, venom which oh, is yeah. like yeah it's that perfectly we got you covered you're big yeah. Venom. and then walking trees so this is a good one this one is not one i've seen in a lot of settings i feel like you guys got it because a lot of people miss this treant or plant like humanoid folk to play yep. I think yep. there's a lot of people out there that like to play some type of tree dude or, yeah. you know, some type of, you know, cool bush of some sort. There's a lot of, yeah. in, in the monster manual, you have things like thorn wolves and there's like all these bricker, I'm trying to remember the names of them. I used them in the, my um, campaign quite a bit, but they were all, um, totally blanking on name. Too. Yeah, they had a name. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've always liked Myconids and I was sad that yeah. uh, Mushroom Folk was not mushroom folk. Uh, in a, mm-hmm. in the core D&D, but there's lots of other little, I, I complained about it once on Twitter and like hundreds of people were like, here, here's where you can play Myconids. There's all these third party things. And I'm like, you're right. The same idea. Yeah. Those are very good. I should have looked are. there first. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, Walking Trees, the Ever Hungry Half Ooze, Ancient Sauron. So this is cool because this, I'm guessing are like, Kind of like your lizard men, kind of like your dragon. It's form. dino DNA. But yeah, it's you dino. could have a dino person, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's four kinds of Saurians. There's like the ones direct, there's the sharp fangs, who are like toothy boys, leather wings, which are like pteranodon descended, web feet, which are from hadrosaurs or parasaurolophus, and then uh, hammer tails, which are like ankylosaurus. And they all have their own things, their own sort of like more focused subcultures. Um, but the cool thing about Saurians is they've been around for forever and they have these long memories and they have this really fluid relationship with the dead. And so they have a new cantrip called Sense Whispers where you can detect if there are any friendly undead nearby. Um, and so they're just like, yeah, I'll just go talk to my ancestor and get a little kind of read on this place. And they have that thing that some kinships have in 5e where they have like um, spells that they learn as they level up. So I think, uh, I forget who has this, but it's it's something you see elsewhere in other official design. Mm-hmm. And so they start out with just this thing and then they get guidance and then they get augury, I think. So there's kind of this feeling of like, the, the bigger I get, the more the ancestors are kind of guiding me and showing me the way to go. Very cool, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I saw, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's no money. Like. Yeah, so there's this idea, okay, there is no money and there's a reason. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, how do I even start this? I posted about this setting several times online and every time I did, I got the same response, which is like, ha yeah, me hit dragon with stick, ooga booga. I was like, it's just, it's there's no gold. About. Why am I an adventurer? <laughs> what I mean. So yeah. I, yeah, exactly. So I came up with a set of DM tools called the black taboos. And there's this idea in the setting that there's a thing out there called the Hounds of the Blind Heaven. Nobody knows what they are. This is like the morning in Eberron, where it's like, it's not explained, it's never going to be explained, but there is something bad out there. And that thing is creating this incredibly low technological ceiling. The Hounds will come after you if you break any of the black taboos, which are no wheels, no money, no writing, and no numbers higher than nine. So anyone who's trying to like crawl out of the Stone Age is just killed. And there's also guidance in the book about if you hate that and you don't have to use it, here's how you don't have to do that. But Mm -hmm. it lets DMs be like, you are super smart. You can have been alive for forever. And there's, yes, there's a reason why you haven't come up with the alphabet. It's because these metaphysical forces will kill you if you do. Yeah. Um, You're intentionally keeping yourself ignorant to stay alive in a way. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Or at least hiding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Right. So for a wizard, how far are you going and how it's like almost warlocky right like how much are you tampering with stuff that cannot be known which is very like you know sword and sorcery right that's very very much from the from the origins of all of this um 
yeah, but no money means that you're bartering a lot more, which is really fun. We still have salt in there because um, salt was actually used as a currency in, in real life. So salt is like, if you just don't want to worry about your DM who just, just, it's just use salt, salt. whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But also much more fun if you, then what if you go to a desert and there's like salt flats and salt is totally devalued, you know, or what if, that water. Guy, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what if that guy has no taste buds and he doesn't care yeah. about salt and all he wants is, you know, your stick. So there's a lot more fun, like bartering opportunities in it. Um, is there, oh, how would magical spells that have uh like a gold cost like i need this that costs this much gold every time i use it it it, how are you going to do that when you don't have currency like what do you have to give up for that spell great question (laughs) that detective is the right question (laughs) um there's two options one you can just do the salt equivalent and it's fine right you can just trade for it boring the more interesting (laughs) the more interesting one is blood so you spill that many HPs worth of blood on the thing, then it becomes activated. Um, so do you have to go out and kill a big monster or several big monsters to get this diamond ready to be cast? Or are you like going super dark and just rounding up a bunch of rats and killing them? Like, what yeah. are you going to do in order to unlock the power of, that's in the blood? That's interesting. Okay, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Is there, I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of... Uh, uh, but that might it? explain ritual, ritual reasons magic to have stuff, yeah. those kinds of rituals out there. Yeah. If somebody is willing to try to grab that power and they're willing to, to have other Like in order for me to cast it. magic jar, I'm going to have to get a thousand rats yeah. in here to yeah. all die with their one hit point so that <laughs> right. I could siphon their energy into. Yeah, that's really cool. Exactly. Very what cool. about and the name is- spells? Are you going to change the name spells or are you just kind of hand wave that no I mean, we, do what, we do what ogl does which is we just take out the names and there's a thing in there yeah. that says like this is before those people tasha rediscovered right. hideous laughter she, right it was always there and she just found it got it so it's just yeah. hideous laughter at that point mm-hmm. that makes sense as a deal. um are, is there metal then like uh is that no. something that's too advanced and these wolves will come after you <laughs> yeah metal does not exist in the setting it just like uh, isn't there or if it is there it's completely inaccessible but i at my table run like it literally doesn't exist so we have a metal conversion table where it's like all right gold's kind of like this silver's kind of like this um and one thing that's fun is the bones of gods, divine ivory, take on the place of adamantium. So if you got okay. your, is that the word? Yeah, adamantium. Yeah. So if um, I made a spear or something out of adamantium, like it, it's yeah. now just a bone spear, but it has that yeah. extra, like unbreakable. Bones of a god. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, are plus one magic items and other things like that? Are those also? mostly from gods or is that something like i i don't know like i have the horn of this fiend that i carved off and now i've got like a cool dagger (laughs) yeah it's all of the above one of my favorite tables in the um dmg is the magic item origin table so we did something similar here where it's like all right yeah what is this from did a spell skin which is what we call wizards craft this is this from a god did you pull this out of one of those aberrant vaults and it's super weird and creepy um you know how do you want to flavor mm-hmm. this thing and bring it into your world very cool how does uh um because it is a D setting how does like the underdark work and stuff because yeah. you were saying like a lot of, i know that eberron doesn't have necessarily an underdark mm-hmm. they have kind of the abyss Underdark combined yeah. because of Kyber and whatever. And so you can flavor this. The point of saying that is that it can be flavored a completely different way. But right. uh, I'm curious, like, uh, I assume lots of people are living in caves and, and what have you. Uh, right behind them is the abyss or right behind yep. them is like <laughs> the other creepy crawlies that are in the cave. Yeah, so. exactly. There's that. Um, so the Underdark is like, non-OGL so like the Underdark as such doesn't exist like you were just saying Um, but there's sort of two or three answers one is any cave just like in Forgotten Realms can be connected to the deeper worser kind of place Um, uh, and then there's two I guess there's only really two two great answers to this so that one and then like I said there's the world of dreams and the world of nightmares and the world of dreams is like mostly Feywild probably 
Um, and then the, world the light of and dark of those mystical yeah, kind exactly. of things. Okay. And then the world of nightmares is like uh, uh, the Shadowfell slash Underdark equivalent kind of. But importantly, if those places are physically real, you don't have to like cast a spell. There are doorways. There's some really cool art of like doorways that you just happen upon that you can go through. And so it's there's intended to be a lot more travel between the Feywild, Shadowfell, Underdark equivalent. It's like As a level things. one character, you can just walk. Yeah, it's very strange <laughs> things, right? You can just walk in there. Yeah. Um, might not the be upside the best down idea. Yeah, but they also offer fast travel through the world. So if you're like mm -hmm. a migrant clan and winter's coming on and there's predators over there and there's a doorway over there, like maybe I do want to risk running through there and popping out somewhere where it's summer. Um, or maybe if I do that, I'll come out irreversibly changed. And what am I going to choose in this moment? That's very cool. Tell me you play um, Ark Survival Evolved so that you know all of the dinosaurs I want statted out. In is this like a game I put in 900 hours in playing yep. because it is so good with dinosaurs and riding dinosaurs and taming dinosaurs and oh my gosh, breeding dinosaurs. Yes, I love it. Anytime I'm looking for cool dinosaur art, it's always from Ark Survival Evolved. Yes. It's so great. Yeah, I keep on looking up like, how did this dinosaur behave? And it's like, oh, this is really cool. Like, how do scientists know? Oh, wait, this is from Ark. <laughs> this is from Ark. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Again. But it's so great. It's so well thought out. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, if, if, if you're a dungeon master who's picking this up, but you want inspiration, go pick that game up on Steam yeah. when it's on sale because it will give you, I mean, you start out building sticks and stones to build yep. your spear to fight off, you know, that whatever, you know, a, a raptor or, you know, whatever. Yep. And it, it's a cool introduction to having dinosaurs in a world and what some of the cool things you can do with dinosaurs in a world, you know, having mm -hmm. them as a pet or having them as a companion. Is that possible in this? Do we yeah. have uh, dinosaur companion rules, mm -hmm. dinosaur pet rules? What, what do we get? Yeah, the companion pet rules are a little, there are, there is DM guidance. Like here's how you trap a creature and tame it. And then here's how you train it. It's more offered as kind of like guidance because I feel like different DMs have their own systems that they like for that. There's a cool thing that is in the setting lore, humans specifically are like the beast tamers and there is an optional uh, kinship feature where you are like extra proficient with animal handling. And that's kind of the niche that they've carved out. Humans are sort of symbiotic with everyone. So they'll, they'll like love just just like you'll go to there and it'll be like bedrock with a Flintstone. They'll just have like dinosaurs doing everything. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's a living. <laughs> it's a living. That oh my god! Why, uh, humans are so often like subservient to evil creatures, right? Dragons. They're like, yeah, I tame them. They tame me. Like it's all good as long as we're staying alive. That's very I think cool. also I know. I'd recommend Dawn of Man on Steam if you want to play yeah. like learn what a hunter gatherer clan is like. That's a great game. And then Far Cry Primal, just run around and uh get into Stone Age fantasy that way. Yeah, because you'll know how the dinosaurs come out of the all of a sudden you're picking some berries somewhere and then something yeah. just comes out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. and wipes you out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so cool to see that, you know, when that T-Rex comes flaring through oh my gosh so there's scary. so many good but then there's a lot so many i'd never heard of either as a kid mm -hmm. i like dinosaurs but i'd never heard of all these ones and you go to yeah. arc and they have hundreds of these things that yeah you can, you know, one really cool thing is we're actually partnering with a paleontologist trevor s ball oh, cool. so he designed 11 or 12 dinosaurs for prehistoric reptiles for the setting um based on the most current research on this. So he's That's like, cool. oh, you want a T-Rex? Cutting edge Here's how they stuff. really acted. So yeah. you're playing against the most realistic possible versions of these dinosaurs. He also is like, the CR for dinosaurs is a joke in 5e. These things are so much scarier than we make them. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. they should be killer. That's really awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I think my new favorite monster is the woolly unicorn looking at yeah. uh, <laughs> Looking at <laughs> yeah. the... Uh, table of contents that you shared with us um yeah. i'm assuming well, you've ran the starter piece of it like what what else oh, comes with the kickstarter because we talked about the book but when i'm looking at your guys's page there's so much other stuff going on oh, yeah. here. Absolutely. talk about what the whole project as a whole you're getting if you're gonna jump into this you know some of the things that are available totally yeah i would love to so 
Atlas, I mean, they're pros. They've been around for forever. So they um, like really know how to put a good campaign together. So there's the the base book, which is the Starshawn Song of Plangea. Um, there's a deluxe version, which I cannot wait to show the art for that. There's like a four placement only kind of like thing on there, but that, that book's going to be so cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um, there are at this point two soundtracks unlocked. There's the sort of kinetic action on the hunt soundtrack and the um, I forget what we titled them, but there's basically an action soundtrack, a horror soundtrack, and then we hope to unlock this wonder soundtrack. And one thing that just like, I can't believe how cool this is, is there's a Plangea theme song that has a different version on each of those. So there's like the action version and the horror version and the wonder version. It's so cool. Um, there's a DM screen with just jaw-dropping art um, on it. A starting adventure called In the Lair of the Night Thing. Um, and then other digital adventures you can unlock, um, starting with Secret of Shell Shrine and then the Voice in the Vaults. Um, yeah, we just, there's a lot. Yeah, there's like a cheap <laughs> screen. So mm-hmm. another Kickstarter, because we, we talked to, um, remind me, Jordan, um, been on the show several times. He has his own soundtrack to his game. Oh, Lex. Uh, You're talking Lex. About. Lex yeah. likes yeah. to do... Yeah, it's a very on. OSR thing where yeah. you create like a game or a or a adventure and there are these people that are like, "Okay, I'm going to like do some kind of cool, I don't know, background music and yeah. and then the the aesthetic is to release it as MP3s but also on cassette tapes, which is really funny. Nice. Um, oh, and it's that. totally like a 80s sword and sorcery kind of thing, but I I thought that was really cool because I think that's a it's always uh, it's Appendix N, so it's like, yeah. hey, wh- help me understand this setting or help me understand mm-hmm. what what the game is about. And when I try to do a new game, I usually say, okay, like this album and this yeah. movie and this book, these all kind of, you know, and so in this way, it's kind of fun to say, okay, here's some music of uh, Plangia or whatever. So, yeah, uh, but exactly. tell us about it. Yeah, you're you're making music for it. So. Yeah, no, we partnered with um, an awesome uh, group. I actually Atlas like really handled that, so I yeah, no, I but it's fun. Into it is I it is it music that inspired it, or is it music to play at the table with you? Kind of music to play at the table. Very and there's cool. also like ambient noises as well. Oh, and fun. I think there's going to be tracks where it has them separated and tracks where they're together. So should be a lot of tools at the table if you've got a soundboard or like I mixing that stuff. Um, well, there's the, go ahead, Lucian. Sorry, sorry. There's I have lots 12 of days left. There's 12 days <laughs> yep. left, so people still can get in on this. Um, you yep. guys have hit the extra soundtrack through the dark because you hit 2000 last night. When I looked at your website last night, I was like, you were just getting to the 2000. Yeah, I'm like, right I hope there. they make it. I hope they make it. <laughs> so now we're shooting for the 2250. We want to uh, hopefully unlock Echoes of Plangea number two. If some of you mm-hmm. are out there looking to help support. I know I'll be adding my back this project button as we get done with the show here. So you'll get at least one more (laughs) today. (laughs) Um, And then, but they're still on the horizon, possibly deluxe edition upgrade, the extra soundtrack for in sacred places. And if we get past those, they even have some more that they haven't listed, but are probably ready to go. Yeah. Very professionally Atlas games is rocking it. As far as the look of the Kickstarter page looks very, super professional to me and i think this is well they are they're a game company they've been doing this and we actually were talking before we started that you were saying they made lots of uh third edition content yeah um, back in the day but they this is their first foray into 5e i'm gonna go look for it (laughs) yeah it's called penumbra i actually don't know a ton about it but apparently it was they made a ton of it that's cool uh before we go the adventure that is uh, tied to this, uh, what's the hook for that? Like, what's the adventure that you've written for this? Yeah, so uh, In the Lair of the Night Thing is really meant to be, it's a first through third level adventure. Um, It's a hunt is is what it is. Um, You start off in the, at the clan fire of the two axe clan and their leader um, is in mourning because uh, her daughter has been injured and her son has been killed by this beast that comes at night and attacks the camp. And last night the beast was injured, but because she's in mourning, she can't go out and hunt it herself. She needs 
somebody, who could she possibly find to go out on the trail of this thing and follow its black, tarry blood back to the place where it is recovering? Along the way, you're going to run into prehistoric creatures, friends, maybe, foes, <laughs> definitely, um, and be presented with uh, a little a little bit of a dungeon call, a little bit of a hunt, and maybe even a moral quandary along the way. That's awesome. And you said levels one to three kind of go through? Yeah, that's cool. exactly. There's a super neat thing in it where I don't want to spoil it, but it has these clues that hook into all of the big threats in the setting so if you're playing it and you're like if you're going to run it and you kind of look at it and it's like oh i think i might want to make this one about dragons and giants there's like ways to drop little seeds of that into the adventure and then when you are running the rest of the campaign it's like wow they started this from session one um because those little hooks are in there yeah the or my favorite is uh find out what the players are interested in yeah exactly. and so all of a sudden at the end of the session they're just like man i really think that like that giant crocodile is going to come back right. and you're like it right. is now thank <laughs> you <laughs> so that's, that's really cool DM. that's how you know um, this is amazing. I, I am so, uh, jazzed for this after talking with you and, and just going over the setting. I think I definitely would love to play, but like run something like this. Cause it's so, it's this, it's that, uh, familiarity where it's the same, but it's very different, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. like a, I don't know, a new, new shiny coat of paint on your car. Uh, maybe that's a bad analogy, <laughs> yeah. but like, this is well, really and cool. <laughs> and it's a way to surprise your players because I, I like that too. They'll yeah. think they know stuff, but you have plenty of opportunity to say, Oh, you thought you knew how elves were, yeah. but now you find out there's something a little bit different, or you thought you knew about dwarves. Here's something a little bit different, or you think you know about dinosaurs cause you watched all these TV shows, but now let me show you something. Cause I really yep. researched it myself or I looked into it. Or I had these ideas. One of my favorite things in the setting is the monster templates. So there's 20 like little bits that you can tack onto a monster and change it. And what I love for that is that Mesozoic weirdness, like the crudes where everything's mm -hmm. kind of mashed up and mingled. Mm -hmm. And just imagine you're fighting an owlbear and your, your players are like, okay, it's an owlbear. I got it. And then it opens up a frill that starts rattling. Mm -hmm. yes. And you're like, oh! <laughs> and there's, you know? You're fighting a spiny gelatinous cube, or it's like yeah. you get know, to the cheap. Get to the yeah, cheap. Exactly. <laughs> you just add extra things to certain monsters. Yeah. Is that kind of how? Yeah. That's fun. Okay. In fact, and now I'm going to change it into a Plangea Park that is in yes. the Forgotten Realms, oh and some it. rich guy oh has <laughs> lost control. Oh. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> I like blacked out from her. awesomeness right there for a second. <laughs> That's I don't for know. Sure, an Eberron adventure. I love it. <laughs> yes. That's really cool. That's really funny. Uh, awesome. That's so cool. Uh, I also see so Justin goodness. Alexander is working on this and he's yeah, a really cool he's person. Yeah, head of uh, RPGs at Atlas Games. Yeah. I mean, mostly working with Atlas because it was like an unpaid, unpaid internship for me with Justin Alexander, who's gotcha. a legend. Um, but yeah, you no, got some really cool awesome. people on this. So I would say definitely go check it out. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter, obviously, but like, what's the best place to go learn about Plenji yeah. and uh, I'm just going to double check this because I want to make sure it's working. But I think if you go to plainjia.com, checking, I think it should kick you, kick you to the Kickstarter page. That's going to be a really good place to go. It and then later on, there. you can redirect that to probably exactly, an Atlas Games page for more information. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you are but, listening to this in the past, which uh, ironically is everybody who's not in our live chat right now. Um, <laughs> All of you. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, go go to plengia.com and check it out. And are there are there secret plans that this is not just a one book campaign setting? Yeah, you have I your mean, 12 books of, Lucian, of adventures. I, I, the hounds will come after me if I tell you how many books. Uh, dang I them hounds. This. <laughs> this is true. Dang them hounds. I have many books that uh, I could write in this setting. How many Very adventures cool. have you been running in here? Like, did, was this a uh, homebrew kind of, not homebrew, but like, uh, yeah. you're obviously the creator, so you mm -hmm. must have been playing in or running games, yeah. play testing. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I started working on it in the middle of a homebrew sort of Forgotten Realms clone and my group like was loving that so I was like writing all this stuff and I couldn't play Plangia at first. Um, what we did is we ran a bunch of Patreon one-shots uh, for the setting for people who are supporting it 
Um, and now I've got, we have this podcast called the clan fire. So now I'm, I've, uh, started running that crew through one of the adventures that, you know, if all of this succeeds in the way that I hope might become a hardback, like one through 11 campaign. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So where, uh, you have a podcast, people listen to our show as a podcast. Would you like to promote your podcast? (laughs) I, you know, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, it's called The Clan Fire. Um, it's very much like a straight ripoff of the Manifest Zone in sort of format. We're just there. We're talking about talking about the setting. We kind of pick a topic and dive deep into it. It's a good time. It's myself, um, Adam Beckwith, who's our community moderator, uh, Finn Prindle, who um, is our developer, Dan Gable, who's our writer, and Monster Wrangler, and then Avalon Palmer, who's still our story world lore knower. And there are some story team who have people who joined the setting really early um, and have helped to shape it and sort of understand it really deeply. We get together, we talk about the setting um, and also mix in some live play in there as well. It's a good time. Very fun. Okay, cool. We'll check it out and I'll uh, be sure to put links in the show notes so uh, you guys can check those out. Um, Go, go to, go to Kickstarter, back this cool thing. Uh, Get, get a cool package get pdfs there's a siren because it's I'm siren hitting the button now just so you know i'm hitting siren. back this project <laughs> you guys are yeah this is in their their offices when somebody hits the button oh yeah it's, <laughs> uh well thank you again david so much for coming out this was really fun i'm glad you were able to uh, chat with us and and talk us uh, through this really cool world so Thanks so much for having me. I genuinely love you guys' show. So I'm just geeking out. I'm flattered. So thank you. (laughs) Uh, We will be back next week uh, with more Saturday morning D&D show. Lucian has um, sirens. So he's probably going to listen to those sirens um, for at least uh, uh, seven days. You're done. Oh, never mind. Okay. Before, like in, in the last <laughs> two times it happened, they, the guy who decided to do it was like, I'm going to run it for 10 minutes to see how this thing works. <laughs> And they just shut it off. So love it. I'm loving it. 66 right. bucks just pledged. I'm getting the standard book. Yeah. With PDF because I want the artwork. I want it to sit up on my shelf. Um, super cool. That's really fun. Awesome. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, thank you again, David. And take care, everybody. Bye.